Welcome to AU City, a podcast for the neuro-spicy creative, cryptid, or eldritch horror in your life, where no monster is off-limits as long as everyone's consenting. <laughs> I'm your co-host, V. My pronouns are she, they. And I want to add a caveat, read that. Uh, monsters, not, not off-limits, but in my personal belief system, I feel like they should be off-limits if they are in any way, shape, or form mucus-based. That's just a personal preference. And I'm Ray Noble. My pronouns are he, they, and I'm pretty sure that B's caveat is like allergy related and induced, but I just, it's made me uncomfortable automatically. I don't want to think about mucus monsters. You're right. But there's like, a story behind it, but I'm not going to talk about it right now. Oh, no. Oh, now I'm just thinking about like the Mucinex like commercials oh, that have oh, like God, that. Stop. Like, no, no. You're the one who did this. You I'm just saying, mucus. monster fuckers are valid. Mucus monster fuckers need seek help. Is what that's my that's my prognosis. Okay. Um, no wait, but wait a minute. What about mucus howl from Howl's Moving Castle? Oh, you would hit like that. You're, wait, I'm you're saying me. I'm saying that like does that count as a monster? Because he does he like he is a sorcerer. And then he just like kind of exudes slime. <laughs> Is that the same? I mean, there's so much to unpack with that. I'm just going to say yes and like okay. improv style. Uh, okay. Yes. And it 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 desires for the discussion. But, you know, welcome to EU City where we're beginning already <laughs> off the rails for the day. <laughs> already just gone. We've already gone down the rabbit hole of slime and monster effing. And that's par for the course. Yeah, the season, honestly. Yeah. So, you know, it's just going to be one of those days because today we don't really have our usual situation when it comes to our telly episodes. We're not necessarily going to be like telling you how we did a thing. You are going to be witnessing us, witnessing us telling each other. <laughs> how we're going how we're to about do. to do a thing <laughs> exactly how we're about to do the thing because this we is are the going promise to... episode where we make promises that we may or may not do. exactly <laughs> exactly so this is this is that episode and we are essentially going to be breaking story for the rest of this season slash the rest of our Nancy Drew season four V and Ray specific universe. <laughs> We're also going to be discussing how all of the fix that we have written so far managed to flow into the storyline that we have gotten to. Um, whether or not on purpose or accidentally, which has happened multiple times in both cases. <laughs> so we're yeah, just going to, we're doing a little state of the union, alternative universe city style. I just like through the universe. You know out. what I would call our verse? I think it would be called the ravey verse. And I think ravey would be a great couple's name, a ship name for us, if you will. Uh, because it sounds like gravy. Oh <laughs> no, I'm down. Gravy's on my brand. <laughs> so yeah. mucus bad, gravy good. Similar consistencies. Discuss later. Not now, but no. Why would that. you do that? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Both are so salty. Clearly, we both are not taking our Adderall today. Um, <laughs> or our or, and, or, and or whatever we're taking that we're normally taking, we're not taking it today. We're off the rails and the meds. Uh, uh, it's a Scorpio moon. That's what I'm blaming this on, actually. It's a Scorpio moon. Uh, yeah, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, which then it's the season. You know, we're kicking off into fall season. It very violently oh. swerved into fall, like very suddenly, without with very little warning. We're both wearing our plaid. Ray is rocking their yellow beanie, which oh, I don't know if I ever told you this. Here. I wrote I wrote your yellow beanie into one of my books. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to tell you about that. <laughs> Uh, I was going to tell you eventually, like when it came out. Yeah, there's literally a character who has a yellow beanie that is that is based on your yellow beanie. I know there's a whole sub joke about it. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. But our love so is this is why this is why our ship is the most important ship in the podcast, because our love it's is like true. infinite. Our, this is the most important ship. We'll never die. Much like the no. monsters that most of our fans are into. Um, and me. I'm also yeah. into it. <laughs> all, all of us. You're not yeah. alone. No, not <laughs> having anyone. Maybe, maybe us too. You know, birds of a feather. All I'm saying. Exactly. So the road so far. Here's the where we've come. Far. This is what? Episode nine? Nine. I believe this is episode nine. I think that is the math that we did. It's exciting. We This is almost our, you know, decaversary. So I think this is a great time for us to pause and say, okay, what have we fucked oh. around and found out so far? 
That's those are some big questions. Those are some really big questions. And every single time that I'm faced with like a question being asked to me, every answer that I have just goes poof out of my brain. But yeah. I do know that we've lot like we've like done a lot. We have done a lot and we've like we have some agenda items that we could definitely come back to see if we've hit any of those. I feel like just for me as a creative the most that I've learned from the fucking around and the finding out has just been that, like, I'm actually way more capable of doing this than I thought I was. Like, Which I'm is the whole point. Yes. Exactly. Um, like, I've never been really a, like, a thick writer or I've never really liked to get into other characters, like, other people's characters heads wow so many apostrophes um but, but i feel yeah. you <laughs> and you know that i like you're that. doing it peter you're doing it uh i i love that though because i remember i recently went back and listened to episode one when we had our agendas and you specifically said that you're like i am not a fanfic writer and you literally had said you expressed the the concern that you wouldn't do justice to someone else's character, which is why you you had always felt like mm-hmm. OCs, where some people, you know, OCs, original concepts, original characters aren't their thing because they're too stressed out. They're like, what if I make a character and everyone hates it? You were the opposite of that. You're one yeah. of the few people I know who has uh, utmost totally earned, by the way, confidence in your original <laughs> concepts and characters because they're so unique. But it it never really occurred to me until you had described it that way, where it's like, yeah, there is a specific pressure to... Whereas I'm the opposite, right? I like if I if I'm given a set of rules, I love it because I immediately am like, I'm gonna go in and figure out how I can, you know, kind of sneak around this box, right? You know, cut a hole in it, whatever. That's why I love writing IPs and why I love working in what we call IP, like where you know someone hires you and they're like, hey, we want you to do a Nancy Drew reboot or we want you to write this Marvel character no one's ever heard of or whatever. You know, it's like paint by numbers, but then I do whatever the fuck I want. Like that's kind of the jam. But yeah. if you have a brain like yours where you can create this amazing world building like from nothing. And then someone tells you like, oh, now you have to go in and paint by these numbers. You're going to all be, obviously you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I don't want to. Like, I don't like doing it. And the thing is like, this is, I think this is the first time that I've had fun doing it. A partially because like, it's the first time I've really let myself. I know like there is maybe a handful of less than 500 words, maybe 200 where like I tried to catch another character's voice or like a friend was like, oh, I really like this idea. Like, what if you wrote a fic about like, you know, something we were both hyper fixating on? And I was always like, yeah, theoretically, that could be really cool. So like I would try here and there, but it would always feel off to me. And like, it's one of those things for me when I feel characters and I'm writing a character, I, it sounds very weird, but I need to be able to feel a specific way in order to know that I'm doing it correctly. And I've never had that desire, nor felt like I was immediately getting that response from myself in previous attempts slash with anything else that I ever seemed slightly interested in when it came to fic writing. It could just be the hyper fixating like and the way that I love these characters and like the fact that it is Nancy, etc. But yeah, I did have way more fun than I ever thought I was gonna have doing like writing other people's characters I totally I get it now I like I see why people love fic writing so much and like I understood I'm a fic reader I love reading other people's fic I just can't write it or didn't think I could write it and so yeah it's it's cool to see the other side at this point well and here's a question that you again we always ask these questions it's like I haven't thought about this and maybe this is like an unpack and therapy question but how like after after going through that journey, how much do you feel like the processes that you and I have created together? Because as you know, this podcast is not just about storytelling. It's about storytelling in a way that is neurodivergent friendly, but also heavily promotes collaboration, not compromise, you know, where everyone loses a little bit collaboration where it's like, there's been so many times so far that you and I've been like, oh, I want to do this. Oh, I kind of want to do this. And it's like, oh, well, like, should we do one or the other? It's like, how about we figure out how to do both? Like, right. porque no los dos. Like, let's fucking... And I think that, like, do you feel like that has kind of gotten over whatever your aversion was before to being told? Because, like, for me, as a neurodivergent person, being given a set of parameters where it's like, there's a way for you to fail at this, that's going to stress me out. And even though my Capricorn overrides that a lot and is like, well, I'm going to fucking be the best you've ever seen. I'm going to get an A++ on this. I'm going to get extra credit on this. You know, (laughs) like a shitty assignment. Yeah. There's been, like, my whole career has been, like, series of me going, well, I don't really necessarily want to write this book, but I'm going to slay this fucking audition for this IP because, like, I don't even want to write this story, but I'm going to win this, you know? (laughs) This is, like, a game I'm going to win. 
But like now for me, the more that you and I sit down and are like, well, what am I compelled by? What in this story do I get excited about? What turns the switches on in my little, like the little gremlins that pull switches in my brain? What makes them excited and happy? And the more that you and I have tried to kind of craft the process around our brains and like what makes us excited instead of being like, oh, you have to do this. You have to. I think that that probably lends itself. I don't know, at least for for me, I don't know about you, but like, do you think that 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 collaboration and process has actually contributed to you liking it more than you thought you would? I definitely think it has, especially like I'm going to use last the last episode. Yeah, that we recorded. Um, as an example, because yeah, I had no, no clue what I wanted to do with the Nancy meets Hannibal fic at first. You sent that text and I looked at it and I was so, there was nothing there. And I was like, yeah. Um, and like, I instantly was like, I'm not, I'm not going to be mean about this, but I don't, I don't see how this could work because the very first thing is Nancy always catches the crook. Hannibal is uncatchable. How am I yeah. going to do that? That doesn't work. Like, and so immediately there were these two things in, my, in what my brain sees as definitive parts of these characters that cannot be moved. The hard rock, the immovable object. and then. You kind of, like you said one other thing, you said that first first sentence, I think I told you like, maybe not my favorite idea, like we could maybe work with that, but maybe there's something else. And then you came back with like, what if Nancy's interviewing Hannibal? And then that was the moment where my brain went, oh, Clarice, what if I put Nancy in Clarice's position? What if Nancy had nothing to do with him being caught? And what if she just needs us help? Because that actually puts us in a position where we have two characters that are incredibly observant, incredibly aware of each other, like each other in some sphere, like they're both, you know, baddies that the other person is going to have an eye on at some, you know, at some point. And it really did open up a scope for me where if you had not followed it up with that singular text, like of what if Nancy's interviewing Hannibal, I would not have ever had any sort of inkling to be like, oh, that's something that I can write and something I'm actually interested in writing. And so, yeah, like literally just, it was a simple text that made my, my little brain, my little neurodivergent, that is too far outside of the box and I will not have it. That is not good for me and my brain. It switched to, wait a minute. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Parameters I can I can handle and I can definitely make that my own while still doing something familiar. Um, and that I feel like that is kind of the thing for my brain. It really enjoys taking the comfort zone and adjusting the comfort zone, if that makes sense. No, that's well, and that's like why the whole point of telling really good stories to me, it's like not only knowing your limitations and knowing how you work, but also knowing how you don't work. But for me, like, I don't know if this came from agenting for like seven years or if it came from other I honestly think it probably came more from other things like acting or like being a journalist and like all the other things that we were taught, you know, like the improv, like, yes. And I feel Mm -hmm. like my version of like, when you're in like a writer's room situation or a, a thing where there's multiple people working on a creative process that is traditionally, as you know, it's like, this is mine, the precious, you know, I'm going to do it and I'm in control of it. But if you, um, like my favorite question is a what if question. And so sometimes you'll be getting notes, like whether it's from an editor or whether it's from a producer or whatever, and they'll be like, this isn't working. And I don't know why that was the one thing that would shut my brain off is if someone's like, "Mm, I'm just not feeling it. And it's like, that doesn't, not only does that not help me, but like, I don't know how to make you specifically feel it. And of course there would also be the little gremlin that lives in the back of the room. That's like, it's not even for you. Who cares? You know, like I'm not, this is for children or whatever, you know? And so someone would be like, "Mm, I'm not feeling it. I don't love it enough. And I'm like, respectfully, I don't kind of care if you love it. Like, is it working or is it not working? And if it's not working, let's talk about why. And so for me, if there's no like, what if, if there's no, if someone's like, I just hate it. You're like, okay, well then thanks for playing moving on. Right. But if you're working with someone and you and I are making this thing together, we're raising this child together. I can't just be like, all right, it's your turn to take the baby and like take him to the zoo. And you're like, I'm terrified of monkeys. I can't take it to the zoo. And I'm like, too bad. Fucking do it anyway. You know, it's like that. That's terrible parenting of this idea that we have. And so the idea of like, well, what if, you know, do you want to do A, B or C? Or like, what if you take that and run with it or you do something else? I think that's a great example of kind of how we started this idea because we both like I, as you know, earlier today, I did some self-harm and I went back and I watched the last episode of season three again. 
right before this. Uh, I'm still emotionally raw. I don't know why I thought this was a good idea. Literally right before, like 20 minutes had gone in between. I was sending, yeah, I was sending Ray like emoji reactions to every month. But like, like, I'm not going to go into it because we don't have time for this episode. But like, I could probably write a dissertation on that specific episode and how like gnarly and banana balls, like the the devices they used. But what it reminded me of rewatching it, like without the emotions, you know, like taking away the emotions of watching it for the first, fourth, fifth, seventh time, whatever, you know, like after having watched it enough that I was specifically only watching it to try and remember like why our agendas in, in episode one of this season were the agendas that we had. You know, we talked about the NACE agenda. We talked about the Hudson yeah. curse. We talked about the Carson agenda, all those things that we talked about the best agenda and watching this episode. It so clearly reminded me of why we had those agendas because those were the threads that were left unrated, mm-hmm. unresolved, okay. or we, they'd we been resolved in a way that time. pissed us off. We had a lot of pissed off moments. Yeah, we had a lot of spite fueled agendas. Oh, but oh, it reminded me. Yeah, but like, oh my god, I sent you, I sent you a video clip of that scene. It was egregious, even more egregious upon the rewatch. Um, She literally spells it out for him. But anyway, this is why I think it's interesting because you know we talked about if you, I don't know if you want to kind of like so you know out of the four or five agendas we said in season one, I feel like you've really advanced the best agenda a ton already. Oh, but I'm excited to see. Was, yeah, that was something that we did actively. I was like ready to spearhead yeah. that fucking agenda. Yeah. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Keep going. No, no, no. Well, in the <laughs> NACE agenda, you know, we've we've laid a lot of the groundwork. We obviously haven't resolved it yet. Um, the Hudson curse, which was originally your idea to kind of like talk about, like you know, why is everyone in this family have such terrible right. inability, yeah. <laughs> you know, to be happy and like fall in love and be okay with it. But I love, I love the idea. Like when I think about what we've done so far and what we've laid out, I feel like we would be, if our season had actually been done, this would be the time where we'd be hitting the midpoint of the season. If like every episode was out and everyone listening to the show had already seen it. This next showy episode would end up being like our midpoint episode where everything changes. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's a perfect time for us to talk it through and just plan like, okay, here are ideas. So I have one pitch for you, but I also want to hear about like just so far with the other agendas, how close do you think we are to some kind of finish line or like good stopping point? I agree with you. I think we're at a really good like mid-season point, but also if we, okay. So I guess it really depends on how much, how many episodes like we are looking at this to have because well, we're not gonna yeah like we're a, not gonna do them all oh, but know. let's say, oh, no, let's say it's I'm like 12 like, or 13 you know right exactly so that's kind of yeah. what i'm what i'm thinking of at this point because it really does depend on you know how we're structuring it because if this was like a 10 episode arc yeah. then i would say this is maybe episode we're hitting like seven, eight, almost there. If it's a 12, 13 episode arc, then yeah, I think we're closer to about the halfway point at the six, yeah. episode six, um, which unfortunately- We're getting ready for a filler episode. <laughs> exactly. We've got a, fil- a filler episode coming up. Admittedly, I did kind of write one a little bit back, but it's you fine. Kind of did, like, yeah. Yeah, but in a yeah, good way. Been... In like, yeah, in a weird Thank way. You. We need Bess and Tamura moments and also Nancy and Hannibal's a little bit. No, I guess that's plot related at this point. That's not, that's not filler. We're going to make that plot related now. We, we've just, oh, yeah, that's that. going to be B. That's going to be B. B. Yeah. More horrific so, murders. Exactly. So like that's, 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 that's going to be the uh, episodes seven air quotes. I'm using air quotes here. <laughs> episodes yeah. seven through 13 air quotes. Um, yeah. If we're doing like a 14 B situation. So anyway, point being, I think just about the only filler episode that we've truly had is the like Bess and Tamura interaction. Because we have, there was no plot there. It was very vague as to why everything was happening on my end. Like Bess had to get in and heist something. That was the only yeah. plot that I had. But to be fair, it was one scene, and like in a book, it would have been, you know, in a book, it would have been not even a chapter, and in a show, it would have been like ten minutes of the show. You know, exactly. so it wouldn't have so been like, that big deal. It's a filler bullet. Yeah, I think that our biggest thing when it comes to filler episodes is just my Bess and Tamura situation. And like you were saying, that was, it's, it's a little blip. It's not a full on filler situation. So I think going forward, next filler 
quote situation. How many times can I say that should be yours? I like it though. I mean, it's the, some of the, to be fair, some of my favorite episodes of all shows like Supernatural, like are the filler episodes because it's like a self-contained mini story. All that shit. They're all my favorites. Yeah. I mean, if if I had a filler episode, it would be like my version of the wedding dress episode though, where it's like everyone's taken some kind of love potion or like the true serum episode, which honestly is criminally like I, we missed we missed Ace and Bess. Like Ace under true serum. We know we're gonna have another one. I'm gonna talk about that later. But basically, there is a there is definitely a plot hole. I think that real season four is gonna do it. So I don't think we necessarily have to do it. But I will say I my episode would be right now. oh yeah, mine would be banana balls. Like mine would advance the plot maybe in the last 10 seconds of the episode, like in the cliffhanger part, it would be like, oh, and we just discovered a thing. But the whole episode would just okay, be well. Now I want that. I demand it. That's going to be on the list. So, <laughs> Maybe that'll be my next um, script that I write. Um, yeah, I have. I like. I don't have enough spec scripts, spec episode scripts. Anyway, so so. But I want to. I want to pitch you something for the Hudson Curse because I've given a lot of thought to this. And I'm so really for this. This is the. This is our uh, the big agenda that I wanted to get to. That I feel that I have personally not done enough for. So I'm really excited for this. Sorry. <laughs> oh no, I'm so, so I'm going to give you the very big picture, like like we like the breaking story in a room you know where we would talk we would talk with all the writers in the room in this case room of two like this is the agenda (laughs) but because of this like this would be the part where the the other writers would be like oh that's a scene out of that that I could write or like this is definitely like I'm going to pitch one episode but it could also be like multiple things so okay Okay. the Hudson curse we talked about this a lot in episode one so how I would handle this in the quickest and dirtiest possible way is like so what if we had a full episode flashback or like maybe a back to the future style episode where Nancy uses one of Bess's spells to go back in time and see Law Hudson's origin story, which is essentially, you know, a Great Depression era mirror of Ryan and Lucy, where the rich golden boy, Lawrence, who is, you know, the second son of the Hudson Empire, which is a house of cards on the verge of collapsing, you know, the Great Depression robber baron era before, Mm -hmm. like, right pre-crash, defies his father's wishes and wants to pursue a life of the arts. So there's a little bit of, you know, he instead of being a working in the family office, working in the family business, Law wants to travel. Maybe he plays music of some kind. Again, like connections with Ryan and how he talked about how he, you know, he recently bought a guitar in a later episode and he wanted to have his own dreams. Let's say, you know, because it's like the 20s. Let's say that Law is like a really talented piano player, right? So he moonlights as a musician and like sneaks out at night to go to like those underground prohibition era jazz clubs Mm -hmm. and like play the piano in in disguise as like a, you know, working class schmo. And this is how he falls in with a more diverse group of friends, which again, a big part of our agenda, as everyone knows, is not just inclusivity and diversity, but economic diversity and fiction. So Literally because, yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. So because Law has this kind of moonlighting as a jazz pianist thing going on, it leads him to kind of witness firsthand how much robber barons like his father are just fucking people's lives up. Again, there's some, there's some timeliness and some relevance to this. At this point, and this is obviously, you know, this is going to be one episode, so this has to be done real quick. The way Wayward Curiosity, this is when the Wayward Curiosity show floats into town. So as we mentioned in my first challenge scene of episode two, first, you know, that the shows would come in by boat from Europe where they'd put up tents on the outskirts of the town on Horseshoe Bay to raise money to assemble their caravan and become a traveling show by land eventually. So this is when Law finds himself enraptured by this show and this nomadic way of life and all these people coming from far off lands talking about their life adventure. So of course, if this is one episode that's, you know, flashback, we're going to have to do a lot of quick montages and we're going to have to skip some shit. But basically we show Law quickly meeting Esme, who I made up this, literally pulled this name out of my butt on the fly. I'm going to go Esme, Esme. I don't know how to say this name. I wrote it down and did not say it aloud. So let's say her name is Esme, who is his version of Lucy Sable. So let's say she's the daughter of the current ringmaster and she's working as a fortune teller, much like your Bridger character. Uh, Her power is not just for show. She's also a witch, right? She could be from some European country, like wherever she's just, you know, the daughter of the traveling show. So we've got a fast forward montage of Law and Esme's whirlwind romance meeting in secret. Of course, Law's father is going to discover and threaten to put a stop to it. So what does Law do? He goes to his favorite aunt, Aunt Temperance, for help. Now, this is an opportunity for us to bring back Bo Martinowska, um, the char- the actor who originally played uh, Temperance Hudson before they swapped mm-hmm. her out for the... I don't even know why they did that, to be honest with you. That's one of my agendas. Like, I liked her. I thought she was cool. I think um, it's because they didn't like... I feel like I don't a lot know. of people I don't know. like Temperance, like the actress. <laughs> and so they You're were not like, supposed okay. to like her. But anyway, like in this right? case, it would have to be played by the same actress, right? Because she's has not transformed into her whatever 
Yeah. So this is yeah. in the twenties, you know, we're also, it's also a great um, example to have a scene where we show what, what the hell temperance was doing in the 1920s, 1930s. All we know for sure is that she can't enter Horseshoe Bay at this time because the barrier has been put up, you know, since the 1800s right. by the women away. Right. So as we all know, she's a cold hearted bitch who hates love. And also she's a trick hoe. So she tricks Law into doing a spell that will help him disappear so that he can travel freely with his one true love. That's the origin story that I have that I'm pitching for the Hudson curse. Here's where I need your help to complete the episode arc and also set up our season climax either later or like an episode or two mm-hmm. later, because this show has no pacing to speak of. We could end the curse today or next month. It doesn't fucking well, matter. Um, whatever we feel like. <laughs> so here are my questions for you. Okay. So number one. Here. We talked about the Hudson curse and our like head cannons and what we think. So if we set it up like this, where we have this original kind of like Romeo and Juliet situation where, you know, they can't be together and then he asks Temperance for help. So is Law's curse the or the actual original Hudson curse that we talked about that has kind of cursed this family? Like is Law patient zero of this curse? And if so, how can we word the spell that it's vague enough to give us wiggle room later, but it also kind of explains why, like we talked about in episode one, in our shared head canon, that nobody in the Hudson line can ever be happily ever after in love. So what my first question to this is, if Temperance is Law's sister. Aunt. Aunt. Great. She's, she, she would right. be his oh, great aunt, right? Like great aunt. Yeah, I forgot but at about this time point, she's like, yeah, she's like a, a yeah. random aunt that he probably met when he was off at school somewhere in New York or whatever. Like, we're just, I'm throwing okay. it out there. She's a distant aunt. He has no idea how old she really is. Okay. So from that point, I guess my question would be, has like, is law coming to her for help, especially about love? Like, one of her like, okay, well, shit, y'all didn't give a shit about me. I'm gonna pretend to give a shit about you, but actually curse all of you right now because this is an opportunity that I have and I've been sitting here on this waiting. Or does Law do something to her to trigger the second half of the curse? Or like, what if she does in fact help him and then like he so does that's, something? That's one of my future questions. But for now, my main question of this, for the sake of brevity, the- my feeling on this is to say that Temperance is like the spooky aunt that like, like everyone in the family kind of talks about like the family witch that they kind of know and he's heard about her he's grown up and he knows she's a witch so i think he's going to her for a magical solution to our real world problem that mm-hmm. being said so this is like my question number two for you was going to be do we think that the spell worked as it was written like spoken intended or did someone meddle like maybe esme also does a spell and they kind of cancel each other out kind of like gift of the magi style um and that's what actually created the hudson curse like they, they, i have no answer to this by the way just like I, I basically did not write the spell or the situation all i know is that temperance is a tricky hoe he comes to her for help and she either intentionally curses him and the rest of the family or she uses him to do something that she needs and the, the natural consequence of it becomes the hudson curse i i kind of don't have a preference I, either way knowing temperance the way that we do i feel that the first one the former is the mm, is the one that aligns with her character the most i feel that she would take the opportunity to use her magic and get back at her family the second that she was able to and i think that if everybody else has been staying away from her for a while and like law is one of the first ones to be desperate enough to come to her in this situation i feel like she would she would see it for what it was which was essentially the only opportunity she's going to get during this century yeah, yeah. until well, somebody else great, to find yeah. her and she can come home this is a so, great yeah. question to ask ourselves as storytellers too like scope right i'm going to scope cop so like how much time do how much time do we have if if we're going to do all of this in a flashback episode, which again, like I would have said previously, of course, you can't fucking cover this much history and backstory in like a 30 minute, you know, or less situation. Totally but it. they literally, I just fucking watched an episode where they, where they ended, they ended the soul problem, the season long soul stealing monster problem in less than two seconds. Bef- they literally ended it before the main credits, like literally six minutes or less. Everything that this whole season had been building up to was axed. And then suddenly it's like, oh, she's opening a portal and blah, blah, blah. And like all that happened next. And so we can do whatever the hell we want with the magic. And I kind of do want to close the book on temperance. So my feeling is as close as we can get this to her, like just obviously wants everyone in Horseshoe Bay to suffer. I yeah. think that there's something to be said for, because again, law, as we know, also ends up because of what we did in episode one or episode two 
law is also trapped outside the barrier until temperance dies, right? We, uh, we gave right. ourselves that cookie crumb, as you call it. And so because we left those cookie crumbs, I feel like temperance, you're right. Like I think temperance is like, oh, this is an opportunity to punish people, but also how is she punishing them? And how does it kind of backfire in a way that maybe not backfire, but like sideways fire in a way that makes it so that law's curse is, you know, cause he's not necessarily right. trying to punish Horseshoe Bay or is I he? Feel like I feel like Law himself is an accidental bystander who just like, okay, the vibe that I'm getting from what we have created of Law so far and just from the vibe that you've explained and like seeing his montage in my head, you know, falling in love with Esme in my head, it feels to me like it would be the most authentic thing would be if we start off with him being legitimately all he cares about is getting away from his family and going and being free oh, yeah. in the for sure in the flashback exactly. episode for sure right in the, and so what i'm saying is that in this moment in time when he goes to temperance for the you know spell he is so desperate just for that freedom and then i think what should happen is that I mean, A, I think temperance is going to be temperance. I think that she should pull something not unsimilar to what she did to Nancy and Ace and probably get rid of Esme as soon as she can to trigger the actual curse. Um, Like maybe Esme's death is the trigger of the curse. And then everybody else after that can no longer be have happy relationships or when they feel that feel that love, it must be taken from them. It's that it's that age old. If I can't be happy, no one else can kind of thing. Exactly. So and then I love triggered. I love that. This was yeah. not a trick. I did not plan this. Just so you know, I wasn't like leading you down a, a path of <laughs> no, this. But like, I like, like yeah. This so is I just <laughs> I just had a thought as you were talking. This is why I love it. It's like the brain flame. Like my brain ignites your brain, and then we are ignited together. So like okay. So here was my head canon agenda that I may or may not have told you for Law's character. Like Law today, what does Law want? Because I personally right. fucking hate the evil baddie who just wants to do bad. And I'm still mad about that. Like I just went back and I rewatched the part where the only time you really get like the whole season, it seems like Tempers wants to be with her daughter. And then in the last like episode only, it's like, just kidding, bitches. I'm going to use my daughter's soul to open this portal to hell. And then there's, there's literally one line that I sent you in a voice memo because I was like, what the fuck? I missed it the first couple times. And she literally says, oh yeah, I want to open the portal to whatever to like harness all the evil and use it to build a better world. And that's all she fucking says. And it's so vague and so like soap opera villainy to me that I was so annoyed by it because especially like as a mother, you got her motivation if she was a pissed off mother who wanted revenge and if all that her gathering power, but then they completely just swerved her character. So here's my headcanon for law. I want to simplify him. I want law, young law to basically be Ryan Hudson. If Ryan Hudson had had the balls to stand up to his family and be like, no, fuck you. I'm going with Lucy. And that's, and then he paid the price for it. And that's why history is doomed to repeat itself. Not, it doesn't, it might sound like lazy storytelling, but to me, that's the best. Use what you have, you know, use what you're given. And especially because we've cast this character, right? Um, right. Your, your cat's cracking me up right now. <laughs> when will my husband return from war? Anyway, so. <laughs> the fucking broken blinds that they broke. I, I love, I love it. It's actually yeah, really funny. to sit in the um, window. It, it's horrid. It's horrible. I, it, that hits my light, like right where I sleep every it's night. The best. It's fantastic. Yeah, I love it. Anyway, so, so, so I think, so my headcanon for old law is like, he just want, he's just in love. Like he's almost kind of ace in a way too. I hate to say it. Like I will do anything for love. And like up until, up into like end the world if I have to so of course the evil version of that like a tarot card reversed which I know you'll appreciate my favorite thing about learning tarot was not like up upright good reverse bad it's upright this is like the way it proceeds and then reverse is like the dark side of the shadows that are inherent of the thing like you know if you're really ambitious then you can be too ambitious right and so that's the thing I do have a fucking tarot card right in front of me right now and it's death which is perfect Ah, also like legitimately even when you're reading nor like I don't read reversals in my decks a lot because I take the reversal into account when I'm yeah. reading so like no matter when the card appears I always take the reversal into account and it's the perfect freaking explanation for law because all the darkness is still right there it's sitting yeah. right there in the card you can see it just because it's not like this doesn't mean it's not fucking there yeah and you know? so my my headcanon which is, should be pretty <laughs> obvious no but like you know I Love don't it. want another villain that's just evil for the sake of being evil I want a villain that's the type of villain that I always write where you the more you get to know the more it's like well that kind of makes sense so obviously law's current thing is that he's trying to reopen the portal 
to get his love back and bring Esme back. So like that's that's going to be the big thing that's going to be even more conflicting for Nancy. Even if we are like real hacks and we decide to end our season at the fucking portal again, you know, (laughs) the veil or whatever. Like if he wants to get in and open the veil, which they still haven't explained what it is. So we have lots of wiggle room here. But like like if his whole goal is to like burn the world down so he can be with her again, not only is that more dangerous in my opinion, because like he'll sacrifice whatever it takes, but also why would anyone want to stop him from doing that because like yeah it's true love it's true love bitches and so so for me like if if that's his end goal and then temperance was the thing that made him like he couldn't you know like she we we, this is why you know we can later have a story planning session for that episode and be like all right here's how we're gonna make it work but the how is irrelevant the why is everything and so for me if the why is that temperance you know fuck her we don't really care about her motivations she's not a very good villain anyway so we'll close the book on her by showing in this flashback episode like oh there she she's always been a trick ho you know, like she's always been a right. tricky bitch who ruins everything. And you don't necessarily need to waste time on the page or the screen explaining why, you know, she tricks him. But just knowing the second he comes to ask her for help, it's going to look exactly, we could even mirror it to the scene it where Nancy's asking literally for help. So yeah. that you know, yeah. And so this is why, again, story devices aren't always just like lazy and like, oh, what's the quickest way we can get here? It's like, if you've already established that this character doesn't give a shit about anyone and is like very self-serving and very vengeful and like vindictive and petty, then if someone comes to that character and asks for help, it's like the monkey paw. And so, well, you're going to have to help me write the spell because I don't fucking know like how to write the spell. Okay, I was like, figure it out. something rhyming. It's going to be like a child's <laughs> rhyme um, and it's going to be really remedial. But that's that's my genesis. That's my pitch. And I think we covered all my points. The only other point that I had was um, the other question that I had about this is like, so, okay, let's say we do that flashback episode. We kind of show the origin of the curse and we may not say it outright, but we heavily hint at like, we'll just have a line thrown in there toward the end where it's like, and if and if I can't be with the one I love, then no, no one of my blood will ever, you know, live happily ever after some shit. We'll, we'll write a good version of right. that, right? And then it, and then like the last flash of the episode will be like Nancy and Ace. Law yeah. has to die. Law has to die. Yeah, but not what in if, this, not in this, no, not like, in this eventually. Episode, what if that's, yeah, what if that's the end of the curse though? What if literally if it's Law's death and his reuniting I mean, with Esme in the afterlife that actually oh, fuck ends you. the curse? <laughs> and with all the love in my heart, fuck you. You're welcome. Figure that You're out. Not- Oh, <laughs> you're not wrong okay like you're not uh this is why no one's gonna let us write comedies together okay so i know <laughs> this is why you're a drama writer at your heart you bastard yeah, if i write um, comedies it will be like the good place but even with more uh, emotions oh my god no <laughs> more yeah, like, emotions. like you just love to you twist the knife you are an angst you are an angst driven writer my friend okay just, so to me. You, I, I see it it's like the fucking end of van helsing man i hate that okay right but no you're not you're not wrong like i think that also and that again i'm going to talk about this later but one of my favorite story plotting techniques that i've recently come up with is the nutshell technique which i'll post in the in the references but it's basically you know how you and i most most people who are like 90s kids and later are are raised on um shakespearean storytelling rules where it's like comedy and tragedy in shakespearean means you know it's a lot more it's a lot more like character driven and more like you know showing a lesson and like you know they joke like comedy everyone gets married at the end tragedy everyone Mm -hmm. dies this book talks about aristotelian instead so it's like aristotelian comedy and tragedy which means comedy doesn't need to be comedic at all it's not that it's funny or lighthearted. it's literally does the characters the main character change and aristotle is more about like the one character and the one characters are so you'll see most novels and like very literary novels almost always follow aristotle instead of shakespeare because it's you know shakespeare's the ensemble he's like the og ensemble writer you know the found family writer yeah but like he's more like us like we are more that way but the more i started studying like the tragedy and the fact that tragedy is actually the opposite of comedy in the comedy it's like you lose 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 get your ass kicked by life and circumstances but you learn and you grow and you become a better person at the end or a different person at the end whereas tragedy is like you all you do is win and it makes you worse it makes you double down and triple down on all of your flaws and so the idea that law could end up being like an aristotelian comedic character where at the very last he makes the choice sacrifices himself and only then does he like earn his way into the afterlife to be with his one true love he's looking at ace and nancy yeah i'm mad at you he sees it. You see it. Listen, you see the moment. Listen, uh, and you see listen. them staring at each other from like either uh, across the room so, or across from the portal or some bullshit. I'm so mad. I'm so 
mad at you, but I love you so much at the same time. Like I'm mad at you because I'm jealous of you right now. So, Sorry, this is just my so, brain. No, no, but the, no, the, the, this is why, again, this is my collaborative storytelling. Anyone listening to this podcast and is like, I got to get me a friend. This is, this is the, this is why you do this, right? This yeah, is why this Christy is, partners is, yeah. and this is why ships, writing ships are so important because mm-hmm. I, my, I have the type of brain that's like, all right, I could use this device and that device. And like, I know what needs to be done, but I don't always know how, but you will sometimes like skip all that shit and just get straight to the, all right, here's how it, like, here's the end result we need to reach. And then my brain can be like, oh, now I can build a bridge because I know where the end is. But so (laughs) so the other thing that's brilliant about you basically described a final image, which those of you who have never read like Save the Cat and don't know like those beats, like the opening image and the final image are supposed to be mirrors of each other. So the idea that you have him like crossing the veil in in temperances, like like the way that Temperance kind of did and like choosing to like throw himself into it to close like Buffy the Vampire Slayer style, you know, or whatever, like throwing himself, like closing it. Mm. Yeah, like, like, yeah, like putting himself, like literally like throwing himself in the path of like the, the, the stuff, like the consequences of his actions, basically, so that Ace and Nancy can be together. That is brilliant and I love it. But I also love the idea that if you look directly like the opening image and the closing image, you know, the part where she like grabs him by the lapels and she's like, Mm -hmm. I'm doing this. Trust me, I'm doing this for us. Like, what if Law, what if Law like grabs this like, I'm doing this because of you, but in like an angry way. And she thinks he's going to like throw her in. Like he's going to be like, grab her by the lapels and be like, you deserve this. And then she's like, oh shit, I'm about to die. Here is the end. Here lies Nancy Drew. This is the end of me. And instead of throwing her in, he throws himself in and ace is and like she, running and, to her from across yeah. the thing because he thinks that he, like fucking law's about to throw her in too and yeah, then yeah and then, then like, like, fuck, the of course you're gonna angst it up of course you're gonna angst up my cheese <laughs> get out of here leave <laughs> i am amazing <laughs> you're, you're amazing <laughs> in the worst way <laughs> anyway so this is the kind of fun shit this is a great example of us fucking around and finding out in real time yeah, it um, yeah no i love it i have chills my my eyes are leaking and i'm obsessed we still have some work to do to get to that point but now you were here folks you saw it you heard it as it happened we decided how we're gonna end au nancy drew season four now you don't yep. have to worry you can you know how it ends hashtag spoilers we'll put now that, ooh, that should be the title of the episode <laughs> hashtag spoilers. this is how much. it ends but okay okay so this this kind of derailed in the best way like we skipped yeah. a lot of shit to get to the end but i That's do true. think that we've given ourselves now enough we've given ourselves every device we need we've given ourselves almost all the characters you haven't met all of them because we haven't like posted all of our shit we probably will now that we've <laughs> we figured out the end and we figured out half of the we figured out the beginning and the end. Now we just need the middle, which, you know, the middle is always going to be the tricky part where it's basically just, you know, challenge, solution, challenge, solution. One of my favorite things to do in like an act two situation is like, all right, let's figure out how to make everything that could go wrong, go wrong, or like everything that goes right, there's a catch. So that's something you and I do really well, where if we had to do, you know, four or five episodes of this, we could. Mm-hmm. So what what other things that we haven't talked about yet are additional agendas that we could potentially bring up? Like we haven't really talked about Carson. Like where is Carson? Do we care? Is he going to show yeah. up like at the last I'm episode so- out of nowhere? <laughs> You know what? Honestly, my Carson agenda is so fuck you, Carson. I'm so mad at him. <laughs> Should based we just off leave him, like, have him be yeah. out of town the whole season? <laughs> I am fine with that. If he just isn't in existence, that's fine. I'm totally okay. I yeah. do think there is comedic value to like us having our last episode where like literally everything is on fire, the hats and dogs are raining from the heavens, and then Carson just like rolls up with like like a Tommy Bahama shirt on with like a suitcase in his hand and just is standing there. The fuck is happening here? You know, it's like like the end of Back to the that Future. Would be it's pretty like funny. Yeah. Nancy, I'm back. What's happened? And everyone's just, you know, draw like that's that's I think Carson's best. He really does have comedic value. But I also love the idea, you know what we need to do? We need to have Law and Ryan come face to face at some point and have like the, the moment. To be right there. Because yeah. it, it, you know what? Honestly, the only agenda that I want to move forward for with Carson is the Carson dad agenda with Ryan dad. Like the, the dad. Yeah, but that's the, like a season five, you know, or like 4B. Like he's got to work through his shit first. And honestly, we can't, we got to end them to be dads together. I just love it. I just love love it. Can I say something that might ruin your life? What if, what if Ryan 
and Carson can't be together because of the Hudson curse. And so we have to break the curse first for Ryan to have any chance of finally... Fine. I mean, finally I'm fine. I don't have knowing to be his like, I'm okay with them just being like platonic, like dads, but also whatever. Sure. Really That's still a happily ever it. after, though. Remember how we talked yeah. about it's not just romantic ships, oh, it could right. be other it's ships. So, like maybe ships. his happily, maybe he doesn't get his happily ever after with his family, you know, until yeah. this curse because he's a Hudson and Nancy's a Hudson. So, really, the Hudson curse needs to get broken, not just for Nancy's sake, but for Ryan's sake. Obviously, we care right. a little bit less, but also Law's sake. You know what else I really want to see? I really do want to see Ace and Law like go head to yeah, head. That would be really uh, interesting. Potentially over Nancy. Am Ooh. I just being? Am I just being like slutty here? Uh, like, do I kind of want to see them both roll up their sleeves and like fist fight a little bit? I might. You might be. You might uh, be. <laughs> this little. That's just. That's more of a. That's more of an Ao3 request. I guess. <laughs> But like this would be somebody write this for me. This is my challenge. Someone write me this, please. Um, so wait, we so circling back to what we're saying about how we talked about how are we going to share? Oh, I think right. this actually rolls into a challenge of you know we probably will post some of the scenes that we've written in a place where you can go and read them in their entirety. But I also love the idea of the fans, the fellow thickers joining us in this endeavor and so what do you think about if you like our little universe and wanted to write some stuff in it i think that would be totally fun yeah like Um, please contribute to the ravey verse yeah please do we might even that's probably our ao3 name right there is the ravey (laughs) oh there it is that's perfect (laughs) yeah no honestly i'm so we were talking about trying to find a way to post these fix for basically the audience for those of you that are actually interested in the Nancy Drew season four and not just how we go about you know the actual creation of it um and so we're trying to figure out exactly where we want to do that we're probably leaning to AO3 maybe some other things but we are hoping to be able to post them at least season four for completely like free consumption um because obviously ip stuff etc um but also just because if you do like anything that you hear you you really are only seeing snippets and little chunks of the fix that we've worked on and we want to be able to get the rest of those stories out to anybody who cares about them so if you have any recommendations for where you'd like us to post these whether it's on our own website if it's on ao3 tumblr i'm thinking of anything where you post yeah, things yeah. wattpad etc really we do have a tumblr so it'll yeah. it'll probably be cross posted to tumblr and ao3 if we do ao3 which is a great idea because again we're very as in case you haven't noticed we're very pro fanfic we're pro collaboration place here we are and, a friendly place yeah and it should go without saying but i'm gonna say it anyway we invite anyone and everyone who is a fan of this podcast, a fan of our processes to fuck around and find out with us. So we will mm-hmm. never get upset if someone takes our, you know, our Lawrence Hudson character, for example, and runs with them and makes slutty fan fiction about him. Um, just saying, for example, for example, you know, if someone wants to join us in writing their own little AUs or the gravy verse. This, is, this um, is so ulteriorly. Like, this I know, is you're right. Is there motive? an agenda inherent in what I'm <laughs> saying right literally- now? trying to just get someone to write I'm you just saying if anyone wants to write you know, right the boss laws wayward traveling show fanfic <laughs> I not only would we not be mad you are getting around be being attracted pleased. to Ryan Hudson is by creating your own character listen, listen. <laughs> all right Pam that's this isn't therapy we talked about this um again I uh, this is what man, this is what creation is is you saw it you wanted it and you made it your own so yeah i think those are good agendas and i can't i can't think of any other agendas that besides you know the fanfic agenda the collaborative storytelling agenda making it we've already had how much how much fan mail have we gotten from people being like i'm gonna watch this show now because of you guys which I'm I excited had, by. I was gonna say, yeah, I have had a few of my friends who have been early listeners who have been like, wait a minute, I didn't even know that Nancy Drew had a TV show out right now. And I have already handed yeah. over my um I actually shouldn't say that anymore, but um people can now watch it on HBO Max that were not able to watch it before. Oh, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> You're welcome, yeah, CBS. I, yeah, I was um, going to say, I may, may have done a little bit of push in there. Um, but yeah, it is on, available on HBO Max for those who don't know if you'd like to get caught up. Yeah. But 
also that yeah the unintentional um, agenda is making more is. people watch this show which we support <laughs> and yet another reason why they should not send us a cease and desist letter because we're helping we are helping so much i honestly really feel like the cast at the very least would love it knowing the antics that kennedy and leah get up to i feel like they would really enjoy seeing what we do with their characters personally i feel like that would be something they would have fun with um i'm sure that they can't actually watch or read anything right now because they're in the middle of filming the show and there's all that's fair but that is fair but like ultimately like i feel like this is something that the cast would hopefully support (laughs) fingers crossed honestly again as as a creator with my own ips i would say that legally i might be precluded from reading fanfic and admitting to reading fanfic that doesn't mean i don't support it and that i will never ever ever pull that oh you're you're writing fanfic about my characters i'm gonna take it down like no that's no, that's not me. Yeah. And hopefully yeah. never will be me. I oh, plan to never, never be that. Never, no. never the Love is meant to be free, damn it. Um, anyway, so this is this is exciting. And I think overall, you know, big picture, our plans for wrapping up AU season four and our plans for wrapping up season one of AU City kind of mm-hmm. dovetail nicely. And I know you kind of wanted to to tease, yeah. you know, we have plans. I feel like, yeah, I feel like we should kind of just like throw out what we're talk- talking about doing a little bit, um, especially because we have had quite a few different thoughts about how we want to proceed once we wrap up Nancy Drew season four, the thick edition. Um, but ultimately, I think that like we are kind of looking at exploring a few other things that are out of the IP range, specifically some classics and um, some other. I remember what was one of the things we were just talking about the other other day that you were like we need to hold off until season two to talk about this it was like a i lost it now of course and this is what i was I thinking about the entire time that i was I like i probably I wrote it down this. you wrote it down somewhere <laughs> you know that's the neurodivergent trap i'm gonna remember yeah, this exactly but, but i don't fine. need to write it down um point being, i think that a big part of what we're going to be trying to do in the next season is also kind of introducing a few of our own personal projects into the mix so that we are able to oh that, yeah that was what it was is yeah that it, the other f the other fafos that we've done lately exactly and, we yeah. kind of want to start bringing those in bridging the gap between this fun project that we're working on right now and the stuff that we actually are working on more consistently because especially seeing how you know we just broke story right here yeah. for the entire rest of season four we got the you know we have the official big ending now which is going to help for streamlining the rest of it and i feel like just being able to sit down and have this like breaking story conversation in some aspect was really nice. So like, I feel like being able to do that with some other projects in the future, stuff that obviously like we're still going to be doing fucking around and finding out or we're not going to be sharing like a hundred percent everything we're working on, on the podcast. Yeah. Unfortunately. Well, and, and in some cases, you know, some cases like I can't, that's, I get shit from my friends all the time about you're so vague, you know, why are you so it's like, cause sometimes I've signed some stuff that says I can't talk about it. Uh, what's the word? What is the word? Commons. Oh, uh, public domain. Public domain. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, that we're considering fucking around with. That would be way more open for us. We might modernize a few things um, just to kind of like put a little eh, spicy. Hey, here's some treats for you about what we're going to do for season two. Put a little, that's, that's put a little so, yeah. gravy on top of it, you know, yeah. for, for <laughs> seasoning. <Fuck> you. <laughs> I'm making t-shirts. Horrible. You can't stop me. Oh, <laughs> oh. Wow. All disgusting. Right. This is a good place, I think, for us to for us to say thanks again for joining us today. This has been AU City, a podcast for the neurospicy creative, cryptid, or eldritch horror, whichever you identify as. It's cool with us. And we are your co-hosts, Ray and V. If you can deal with the mucusy gravy and all of those other comparisons, <laughs> follow and rate us on all of your favorite podcatchers, including but not limited to Apple, Google, Spotify, and Acast, which is where we're currently hosted. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Tumblr at AU City Podcast and on TikTok at Alternate Universe City for any special requests or just to tell us how much you love us or how much you hate us, um, considering that we've been talking about gravy mucus and I've been angsty. There's a lot to hate us for. I get it. Point being, you can email us directly also at aucitypod at gmail.com. Just remember, though, there's a very thin line between hate and love, and we <laughs> like to walk that line and straddle it. It's true, we do. <laughs> and as your final reminder for this evening, stay weird and never apologize for asking questions. Goodbye. Bye.